listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, and if you're new here, my name is Dan DeBell. I'm the lead pastor here at Abide Church. Man, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to clarify something. You know, God's Word tells us to do everything in church in, in order um, so that He can move. He's not the author of confusion. And so one of the things I like to do is whenever God gives us a specific word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a prophecy, many times whenever we share that, if people aren't familiar with the gifts of the Spirit, people get confused. When I get up here and I say this, is, this word, these, these few short sentences are from God, people say, uh, that kind of freaks me out because sometimes people find stuff on YouTube or they've been trapped in a few services that kind of burn them out when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to clarify something. The gifts of the Spirit are very similar to the fruit of the Spirit in the sense of the gifts of the Spirit are evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. So whenever we experience the gifts of the Spirit in service, all it is is physical evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in our church. Now, in our church is a good thing, but can I tell you God's desire for you when it comes to spiritual gifts is that it would be evident in your life individually. And that's the thing that we need to dig into a little bit deeper. As I grow with him, he wants to use me in ways that are, can I be honest, outside of my comfort zone to set my hands on people and to see them heal, to give a word of knowledge or wisdom to people, uh, to encourage them, to have a word for somebody that would encourage them, to build them up, to edify them. He wants to use us so much more than just an hour on Sunday or speak to us just an hour on Sunday. He wants to use us during the week. And so I would encourage you when things like this happen in here, if, if it's new to you, if you're unaware of exactly what it is, don't pump the brakes. I would say lean into it a little bit. And even better, get in your Bible and go look up the spiritual gifts and do a little bit of study in your own time to find out what are these things and how do they show up in my life. I promise you it will encourage you. You know, today we're talking about this. We're talking about a thief called worry. Last week we talked about a thief called busy. And so if you were uh, too busy and you weren't at church last week, you might want to check that out, okay? Uh, I'm just joking, kind of. Zing, got you good. All right, here we go. A thief called worry. Worry, worry. This is a, um, a thief called worry. This is a message that seems so elementary and simple. However, I see too many Christians that allow worry to steal the promises from God from them all the time. And I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. Here's the principle for today. The principle is this. What I worry about the most is where I trust God the least. What I worry about the most is where I trust God the least. What is the thing in my life that causes me to worry or to be fearful of or to be anxious about? That is where I need to do some growing spiritually. It is where I am proving to myself that I trust God the least. And I'll show you in Scripture here, Jesus has a lot to say when it comes to worry. And here's a, uh, what he says in Matthew 6. I'm going to back up a few verses from the normal time that we would speak when we talk about um, uh, you know, worry. I'm going to back up a few verses to verse 24 here. And it says this. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Let's stop here for a second. 
in the New King James Version, verse 25 starts with this, therefore, I tell you. Many times when we talk about worry in church, that's where we start, at verse, 20, verse 25, because in our Bibles, it's conveniently usually broken up right there, and it's like, oh, we're talking about God and money, and then we're talking about worry. No, that's not how Jesus presented it. When he originally said it, it was all together. So when he's talking about serving two masters, it is directly tied to worry. So whenever I see that word, therefore, right, I need to back up a few verses because what I'm getting ready to read has everything to do with what was just said. So what was just said is the foundation for what I'm about to read. Does that make sense? So that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Why? You can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You will be devoted and you will despise. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Let's continue reading in verse 25. It says, whether you have enough food, don't worry about it. Whether you have enough food, enough to drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Let me stop there for a second. Our culture, as we get closer to the end times, our culture has tried to elevate animals to the same level as humans. Can I tell you, be cautious of that. Because truly, when we look at Scripture, that is anti-Christ behavior. Because what we are doing is we're not elevating animals to, oh, well, we love, yeah, we love animals. We, take, we don't abuse animals, absolutely. However, when we elevate animals to the same level of humans, we are actually devaluing humans to the level of animals. Devaluing, what is, what is humans? Humans are, what is humans? That's not the way to say it. Who are humans? Humans are God's most valuable creation. Most valuable. So we, if I ever hear a teaching, if I ever, because we can't see any scripture that supports, we're the same as animals. No, God so loved the world, meaning us that he sent his what his only son he didn't send an animal to save the world he sent a human he sent his son in human form god and human together to what be the sacrifice for us so that's a totally different message let me get let me get back on track here um aren't you far more valuable to him than they are like okay how many uh, how many birds you know in comparison anyway can all your worries add a single moment to your life verse 28 and why worry about your clothing Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't grow or, or make, they don't work or make their own clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? We're going to come back to that. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So worry is not the absence of troubles. That's what we like to hope that it is. Well, I'm not worrying because I don't have any troubles. No, today's troubles are enough. <laughs> 
Don't consume yourself with wondering and anxious thoughts and fear, letting it come in and consume me when troubles, troubles or trials come. Look at the book of James. What did he say? Take, take joy in the trials. There's going to be trials. This is not the, t- the message for today, the absence of trials. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying when trials come, when the, the, the issues and the trouble for today comes, how do I handle it? Choosing not to worry, but to stand in faith. Here's the first thing. We're talking about a thief called worry. Worry steals our devotion, number one. It steals our devotion, and this is huge. It's more than just stealing my focus. It's more than just stealing my time. It steals my devotion. Devotion is defined as this. My love, my loyalty, my enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. That's devotion. Love, loyalty, or enthusiasm. Devotion. Worry steals our devotion. The first thing Jesus says out the gate before he addresses worry is he says, you cannot serve two masters. You can't do it. You will love one and hate the other. He's showing us, whether we realize it or not, something always has my full attention. Or, another way of saying it, something always has my devotion. Something. Throughout my day, even if I'm not aware of it, as I'm going throughout my day, it's the thing that I'm always thinking about in the back of my mind. What's that lingering thing that's tugging on me, that's nudging me throughout my day, that I've allowed to hang out? It's stealing my devotion. It's becoming my devotion. Here's what Jesus is showing us. If I choose to allow worry to stay whenever it shows up, if I choose to worry, I'm choosing to serve the wrong master. If I allow worry to show up and to stay, doesn't mean it's not going to try to show up, but it'll try. If I choose to worry, I'm choosing to serve the wrong master. Last week, we talked about a thief called busy. We say, how do you beat busy? I got to spend some time at the feet of Jesus. Well, if worry comes and I choose to receive worry, guess what? I'm spending the time at someone's feet, but it's the wrong master. Think about that. I wouldn't do that in the physical, but we do it all the time in the spiritual. I, I say that I'm at the feet of Jesus and I've spent time at his feet, yet my, my actions, my words, my attitudes are filled with worry. And what's Jesus showing us? He's saying, no, you said that, but your actions reveal that you're sitting at the feet of money. At the wrong spiritual feet are you sitting at. And this is why worry is such a big deal. It's not just why well, I battle worry or I'm casually, I'm worried about that or, you know, it's not. Worry, and I'm going to show you this, is much more of a spiritual thing than we give it credit for. And until I address it as a spiritual issue, I will never fully be free from it in my life. I use this, this answer a lot. When it comes to spiritual issues, many times when we battle things like worry, it's a lot like pulling weeds in your garden. I can go out, and we've talked about this, I can go out and I can, I can pull the, the, the top part of the weed out of my garden, but if I don't get the roots, what's going to happen? Well, it's a weed, probably a day later, <laughs> two days later, it's going to come right back. And most of the time, the roots are still there, so it's going to come back a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. This is how we approach too many things in our walk with God. We approach it on the surface level, physical side of things. I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to not worry. And I'm just pulling off the top rather than addressing it on the spiritual level, which is the root of the issue and saying, I'm going to get these roots 
out of my life, and that's what I want to show us today. Uh, We talked about this verse last week, Hebrews 12. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The first step in defeating worry is what we talked about last week. I have to spend some time at the feet of Jesus, keeping my eyes fixed on him. While I'm running the race, keeping my eyes on him, keeping my devotion on him. And here's a great way to tell if my devotion and my eyes are fixed on Jesus or not. If I evaluate my prayer life, my prayers from the past week, the past seven days, if we could print them out, transcribe them, and write them up, and I could hand you a book of your prayers that you prayed this past week, what are you praying more for? God's agenda or your agenda? What have I been praying more about? My, is it been me focused? Like if God answered all of my prayers from the past week, would it change my world or would it change the world? See the difference? So many times we can pray prayers and have a great prayer life, but if God actually answered every single prayer, my life would be great, but my family and my neighbors and my coworkers, their lives would still be going to hell where they're going. Do you see the issue? That's not God's agenda. God's agenda is bigger. And by praying God's agenda, which is his will, he wants to use you even more. And so what's he going to do? Leave you aside? No, he's going to meet your desires, meet your needs, make sure that you are cared for in addition to the people around you. God is looking for people who will pray for his will to come on earth as it is in heaven. Does that make sense? I've got to keep my eyes fixed on him. What am I praying more about? Another way of saying is what am I more devoted to? His agenda or my agenda? His agenda or mine? God's word says that he wants us to be blessed and he wants us to be cared for financially. But here's the issue. Not at the cost of taking our focus off of him. Here's a great great way of, uh, of looking at it. When it comes to money, how much money is too much? Right, like I've heard, I've heard, uh, seen a lot of people. You know, they post stuff online when they find out how many certain pastors make or whatever of some bigger churches. And I, I saw one guy post on Facebook. He's like, "Well, pastors shouldn't make more than this amount," and he, he just drew the line in the sand. And I'm just like, "Well, I don't, I, you know, you can't really show that scripturally." But here's what I would say: I've heard another pastor say this: "How much money is too much?" When my amount of money destroys my trust, when I no longer need to trust God. Why? Because I've become the Lord of my own life and my own finances. It's a pride thing at that point. So God can honor and God can use millionaires and billionaires if they'll submit to him. doesn't mean they have too much money. No, he can use them in a huge way, in a massive way. But at some point when my heart switches from serving God to serving the other master of money, I'm sitting at the wrong feet. And Jesus had some harsh words when he says, if I find myself sitting at the feet of money, he said, you will love one master and what? Hate the other. I'll be devoted to one. I'll despise the other. And in my heart, it's tough to take a step back and to really examine, is that me or not? It's tough to admit that sometimes. But my actions, my attitudes, my words will prove what's in my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what has my devotion? 
What has my devotion? If I am constantly consumed with worry, I can be guaranteed that my devotion is elsewhere than other than Jesus. If I'm constantly consumed, now here's what I'm not saying. If I'm constantly battling worry, like worry's trying to show up because worry will show up. We, we have a promise of many things, but sickness will still try to come knocking. Worry will still try to come knocking. Spirit of depression will still try to come knocking. Why? Because we're in a spiritual war. And so I have a choice to make. What will I do when it comes knocking? I'm not talking about when worry comes knocking. I'm talking about when I allow worry to come in and I say, worry is a part of my everyday language, my everyday thoughts, and my everyday life. That's when worry has my devotion and is no longer committed to Jesus, when I've accepted it and allowed it to come in. Most of the time, this is unintentional. We would never make that decision. As a believer in Jesus, you would never make that decision. But it is a casual, sneaky drift and trick of the devil to allow a little bit of worry here and a little bit of fear here until eventually I wake up and worry is constantly on my mind and coming out of my mouth. It steals my devotion. Here's the second one. This is the big one. Worry steals your faith. Worry steals your faith. I have two points today, and these ones seem, they, they, they seem a little negative because it's being stolen from us, right? But at the end, I'm going to show you how do, we, how do we stop worry right in its tracks. Worry steals your faith. It steals your faith. That's why in verse 30, Jesus says, why do you have so little faith? He's talking about worry, and then it almost feels like he takes a sidestep. How do you have so little faith? Because worry deteriorates faith. It's not an instantaneous, I worried, oh, I said one worry sentence out of my mouth, and so I, I have no faith. That's not what we're talking about. Worry deteriorates faith over time, and this is the issue. If worry is rising in my life, my faith is diminishing. It's not instant. It's slow drift over time. When I see that happening, I know that it's time to get in God's word and to find what promises align with my situation. If I have worry in my life, if worry is rising in my life, I know that it's time for me to put worry back where it came from and to elevate God's promises in my life to build my faith back up. Matthew 6.32 says this. We just read this. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Worry is a wicked thing, and this is why it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual thing. When I choose worry over faith, here's what Jesus is showing us. When I choose worry over faith, I reject my identity as a child of God. Now, that seems harsh. Let me say it again. When I choose worry over faith, I reject my identity as a child of God. Why? Jesus said, unbelievers who don't walk in agreement in his family, who don't walk in agreement with his word, unbelievers are consumed. Their thoughts are dominated with these worries. So when I allow my thoughts to be dominated with these cares and with these worries, what am I doing? I'm taking off my identity in that robe of righteousness. I'm setting it over here and I'm saying, I'm going to identify with the world now, with someone who doesn't even know their heavenly father. I'm saying all of this because I want, it to feel, I want us to feel how serious worry is. Because our world has made worry an everyday thing. Just watch the news. That's how we get views. If it's worrisome, if it causes worry, and if it causes panic and fear, ratings go up, views go up. So we've made it, and if we're not careful, the church will be comfortable with, 
ah, there's a lot going on. I just feel worried about tomorrow, worried about my future, uncertain about what's next. But that's not what God has for us. Look, remember in verse 32 at the very end, he says, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Unbelievers are dominated with worry. You're not called to be dominated by worry. That's not your master. Don't be devoted to it. Don't embrace it. Don't love it. Don't speak about it. Reject it in the name of Jesus and, and remind yourself, my Heavenly Father already knows. But many times we stop there and we say, because God already knows, I don't have to ask. You have not because you ask not. So though he knows, he wants you to spend some time in communion with him, in prayer, and say, Heavenly Father, I come before you. I'm going to remind you of your word. I don't have to but I remind you of your word, but your word says this. It's my promise. You promised it to me. I'm going to remind myself of the covenant that we're in. I'm going to bring my request to you and believe that you are going to work on my behalf. I still have to do my part. He's wanting that intimate relationship with us. But many times as believers, we say, well, he already knows. He already knows. And we've robbed ourselves and God of time together, of intimate time together. I'm going to change gears here, and I'm going to talk about the armor of God for a second as I wrap up. Ephesians 6, 16 says this. Paul's writing about the armor of God, how you have a spiritual armor. And at the end here, towards the end, he says, in addition to all these other armor pieces... He says, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the devil. This is where this gets good. The fiery darts, the the arrows that are coming at us. Paul wrote the armor of God in comparison to the Roman soldier's armor of his time. He was very familiar with it. He spent a lot of time uh, with Roman soldiers. He, he was very familiar with it. He saw them day in and day out. He was familiar with it. He also knew that as in writing this, that as he was sending it to the church, that they would know what he meant by writing about the armor of God. They would know how it compares to the Roman soldier's armor because they would be familiar with it as well. The Roman soldier's shield, it was, it was big for their body, but it looked like a small door. It came across, and it was a a rectangle that was upright so they could hold it. It looked like a small door. This is crucial because our faith is the door to your heart and to your life. Your faith is the doorway to your heart and to your life. Compare it to the front door of your house. How invested are you in the front door of your house? I don't know, but I kind of am. I have a good lock, right? I, it's always confused me a little bit when I drive down uh, streets and I see people's door just open because in my mind, we grew up in the country most of my time growing up, and I just think, man, you're going to let mice in. You're going to let some possums in. You're going to let birds in. You know, one time in my grandparents' house, a bat came in because the door was open. Like, nightmare, okay? An open door is an invitation to all the wrong things. So it is with our faith. Many times our People are walking around with their faith door open or missing, or even worse, deteriorating in front of their eyes. Let me show you what I mean. Worry is to your faith what fire is to your front door. 
Worry is to your faith what fire is to your front door. If my front door were to catch on fire right now, it doesn't mean that as soon as it catches fire, it's not like a, a, a tissue or a piece of paper that's going to be gone in one second flat. It'll be gone quickly, but what? It has some time to catch and to grow and to, and to consume. So it is with worry. Fear, on the other hand, is something different. Fear is, is coming in and removing the front door and throwing out in the front yard and coming in and taking over your house. Like, that's fear. I'm talking about worry. Worry is a gradual thing. Worry destroys your faith, not in an instant, but if it's allowed to linger, if it's allowed to stay and linger. And this is why too many Christians are living their lives without a spiritual front door in place because they've allowed worry to slowly, gradually destroy their faith. And they've done nothing about it to rebuild. They've allowed worry to destroy their faith. So here's the thing. How do we stop this? Here's the positive side, okay? It's been stealing from us. It's robbing from us. How do we stop worry in its tracks? It's pretty simple. You must have a daily encounter with your heavenly father. And we see this in Matthew 6, This is how Jesus ends the whole passage. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. New King, New King James says, seek first. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Okay? But hear this, hear this. Going back to the armor of God, our shield of faith. We have to strengthen our faith in God's word every day. Here's how we know this. When Paul would spend this time with the Roman soldiers and he would see them day in and day out, he would see their routine. And the most important thing the Roman soldier would do every morning is they would get their shield out and they would put oil on their shield. And they would rub this, this certain kind of oil all over the shield on the edges. They would work it into the front, to the back. And this oil strengthened their shield and it, and it made it weather tight. It preserved it and it kept it so that when, when arrows would come, when strikes would come from another sword, an enemy sword, that it would, yeah, it would hit, but it would allow it to absorb the hit better and not to shatter and to be dry and brittle and crack the oil would preserve it because their shields were made up of these layers of material. It wasn't just one piece of wood. It was layers of material that was compressed and tightened together. And over time, this oil would solidify and bring it together. This is why God's word is so good. Oil is in, in scripture is always directly tied to the Holy Spirit. Always in scripture. When I see someone being anointed with oil, it's a physical example of them being anointed with the Holy Spirit. So when Paul says, pick up your shield of faith, there's so much more to that. He's saying, you need to take care of that shield of faith. And every morning, just as the Roman soldier would, you need to get that shield of faith. You need to go to your quiet time with your heavenly father you need to get that oil, that spiritual oil, and you need to rub it all over that shield. So what is it? How do I do that? We strengthen our shield every day by reminding ourselves of God's promises. How do I destroy worry? I need to know what this thing says, number one, and then I need to believe it, number two. Just knowing what it says, that's a good start. 
but until I believe it, there will be no fruit in my life. If I want to stop worry in its tracks, if I want to stop worry from stealing from me, I've got to strengthen my shield of faith. And the only way to do it is from getting spiritual oil from this every single day. The Roman soldier knew that his life depended on it because one fiery arrow, one strike from an ax, if his, if his shield didn't have the oil on it to keep it from getting dry and brittle, it would shatter and it would break. Here's the most, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me say this last verse, Romans 10. This is why Romans 10 makes so much sense. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I'm going to strengthen my shield, the actual translation, I know I say this every time I say this verse, but we need to hear it. <laughs> After, every time we say this verse, the, the actual translation would be faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's the actual translation. This is an ongoing thing. It's not I went to church and I'm good for the week. Uh, can we be real in church? The devil will kick your butt by Monday morning if you think one hour here listening to me is enough for you to survive this week. As your pastor, I have to tell you, it is not enough. God wants you. He doesn't want your one hour checkbox on Sunday morning. That's good. He desires you to be here, absolutely. But he wants to grow with you intimately behind closed doors at your house. That's his heart's desire. The only way to strengthen my shield is by having those moments with my Savior. So let me look at the reflection questions and the action step. It says this, the first one is, what have I allowed to steal my devotion from Jesus? Am I serving the wrong master? If you look back at your week and you realize that worry consumed your thoughts, the majority of your thoughts, if you were more thinking on worry rather than God's word and his goodness, you might have been serving the wrong master. You might have been devoted to the wrong one this week. Guess what? God's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. But he's saying, I've given you a way to get out of worry if you would trust him. What have I been worrying about the most lately? Reminder. That's where I've been trusting God the least lately. What have I been worrying about the most? Here's the action step. Oil your shield of faith every morning. That's Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God. Every morning, get up as if your life depended on it. Guess what? Because it does. Just like the Roman soldier, I'm going to oil, take care of my equipment. So if I face something that wants to kill me today, I can face it with confidence so can you in the spiritual realm if you will take care of your shield of faith. Here's the most important part of their shield. As the Roman soldiers would go, the shield was big, but the shield was more so for the person next to them than it was for themselves. They would go and they would create this kind of turtle shell, which we've seen portrayed in many movies over time, but the Romans would do this as well. They would go and their shield was so big that they actually would hold it to the side so that as they would hold it to the side, this person here would hold theirs in front of them, and then a guy over here would be covered as well. And guess what? They could actually go, and they would have some people hold the shields over the top as well, so that they could move on the battlefield without getting struck or taken down by arrows or, or, or spears or anything like that. Can I tell you why it's important for you to be here on Sundays? Can I tell you why it's important for here in just a second when I ask, hey, if you have a prayer request, we have prayer partners up here on both sides. Why is it important to come down and get prayer? Because you need someone 
and you need people in your life who have put oil on their shield of faith and they are willing to come alongside you and say, hey, I know you're going through it and I know these fiery darts and arrows have been striking you down and I know worry's been consuming you and I don't know, I know you don't have the answer yet, but guess what? Can I come alongside you and use my faith to help strengthen you as we walk together? You gotta have it. And if you don't, you've left yourself open for the enemy to go to work in your life. Let's do our part so we can walk in victory. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sick of worry. I'm done with it. I'm not letting a thief called worry come into my house. I'm not letting worry burn up my front door to my life. No. As soon as I see a little flame begin to start on my front door of worry, trying to take out my front door, guess what? I'm going to go smother that flame with the word of God. Put it out. Strengthen myself in the Lord and move forward but you got to find some people to come alongside you. It's the best way to defeat worry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. You're so good. Thank you for giving us spiritual weapons, spiritual armor to live this life in victory, to live this life free, to live this life with confidence, standing up tall, walking through this life, no matter what comes our way. No matter where we, what valley, shadow of death we may go through, we thank you that we walk through with confidence. We are not alone. God, today I pray that as we, we surround each other, as we use our shield of faith to help our neighbor today, I pray that you would help us walk in victory, help us protect one another, and as we align in agreement of our faith, we pray that the, the prayer of agreement would go to work, that we would see answers and breakthrough in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.